A couple of weeks ago, I met this week's guest, Brian Main, at a conference, and he had a couple of his books on front of him. And I was very intrigued by his story. I got talking to Brian about why he wrote the book on goal mapping, which is his book, literally goal mapping, and his seven-step goal mapping plan. And Brian's background is as intriguing as his methodology. And he comes from the oldest circus family in the UK, grew up in a traveling funfair environment, left school with no formal education, and also had dyslexia, as if things couldn't be hard. But then he found or encountered people who were training or speaking on the subject of setting goals. And so Brian, over the years, developed his own methodology and even worked alongside Tony Robbins. And if you're familiar with Tony, you'll know that he's someone who's perhaps one of the most important proponents of visioning and mind mapping. And Brian's methodology, goal mapping, fits very well into the kinds of things that you and I perhaps are familiar with, the idea of positive thinking and business planning and setting goals and ensuring that we're using different techniques to transform our dreams into reality. If you're listening to this, you might be someone like me who is thinking about the the plans or goals you have for your next business year. How do you actually set those goals? How do you structure them in a way that they're achievable and sustainable? And how do you actually stay positive despite all the knocks and setbacks that we all face when running our own businesses? And so today we're going to look at the science of positive thinking, the importance of setting realistic and achievable goals, and of course, Brian's concept or methodology for goal mapping or goal mapping, and how you can actually apply this in turning life's obstacles into stepping stones for business success. This is the Training Business Podcast. Hey, and welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett Hayes. Hey, welcome to the show. My name is Mark. This is the Training Business Podcast. And every Thursday, without fail, we've got guests on the show, people who've made lots of mistakes, learned lots of lessons, and often lots of money. And they want to share with you their lessons the, the tips and tricks and techniques and the kinds of things that they've done to convert their ideas for workshops and keynotes and books into cash, into revenue streams. And if you're someone like me who's done this or thinking of done, doing this, you're in the right place because every Thursday, this is what we do. We've got guests like Brian or Sarah or other guests from recent episodes on the show to talk about the kinds of lessons they've had and how they've actually uh, transformed their experience or expertise into revenue streams. And every Thursday, there is an episode just like this. If you've not yet subscribed, I would encourage you to click on follow or subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. And so you'll have a free episode arrive in your inbox every week. Brian, welcome to the show. Great to be here with you, Mark. Thank you. We met recently in the UK, in Birmingham, at uh, a conference, and um, I came across your book, and I thought, that's interesting, because I'm someone who believes in in goals, I'm someone who believes in putting some time into thinking about what you want, and uh, you've written a book called Goal Mapping, A Practical Guide to Turning Your Dreams into Reality. 
And one of the commentaries or testimonials is from the great Anthony Robbins or Tony Robbins. And what he says is that Brian is one of the best at helping people create a world-class blueprint for their life, not just goals, but sustainable success. That resonates with me. And I'll tell you why briefly. I have, I read uh, Tony Robbins book way back in the day, and I was a bit enthusiastic about what I could achieve. And many people sometimes do that. They go overboard and write down all kinds of plans and don't think about the practical and sustainable ways to achieve these things. Before we come to the practical tips, which we want to give people working for themselves, let's start with you. You, you, you are like me in the sense that you, you travel, you speak, you work with clients. So you're not writing something which is, you know, touchy feely. It, it's grounded in your experience in, in uh, pounding the boards, traveling, uh, generating revenue for your own business. Let's talk about your background, first of all, Brian. Uh, yeah, okay. My, I come from a traveling funfair family. Uh, my ancestors are the oldest circus family in the UK. And I grew up with the traveling funfairs. And in practical terms, that meant I didn't go to school very much. Uh, plus, I have dyslexia. And like most funfair children of my generation, I left school at 13, which is the tradition in that community. Left with no qualifications, of course, but also unable to read and write. And uh, I had some success. I helped run the family business. Um, I become the youngest licensee in the UK. I opened uh, Disco when I was just 18. And I did quite well for a few years, but then life changed as life does every so often, uh, the change that came for me was a change in tourism. Late 1980s, early 90s, English people started taking their main summer holiday abroad in the Mediterranean and places like that, and not on the Isle of Wight where my tourist business was. And so I went from being quite wealthy at age 25 to owing a million pounds at age 29. This would have been 1993. And I had no qualifications and I couldn't read and write. And I'd never had a formal employment. I'd only ever worked for myself or my father. And so life was looking quite dark. I really didn't know what I would do. My relatives were saying, come back to the fun fairs. We'll help you uh, get going in that. But it, it seemed like a backwards step. And I took a position with a direct sales organization because it was one of the few opportunities open to me. And I didn't like it at first, and I didn't sell anything at first. But it turned into a great blessing because it was in joining the sales organization that I got introduced to personal development, pioneering trainer in the UK that helped me to learn the science of positive thinking. And he showed me how to use that in my sales career to boost my performance, but he also showed me how I could use that to help me overcome my learning challenges. And within a year, I'd learned to read. He'd become my coach. I applied everything I was learning into my sales profession. I took my performance from the lowest in the team to the highest. Lots of people wanted to know how I'd achieved that. And so I started to make presentations, and I'd learned to speed read within 18 months, and I was going through a lot of personal development books because learning to read at age 30 felt like a really special thing. So uh, I treated the gift in a special way. I wouldn't read newspapers or comics, magazines. I only read personal development. And I realized quite quickly 
there are actually a lot of people that know personal development. They simply don't use it. They don't apply it. And so the thing that I've become particularly interested in was techniques, techniques for positive thinking, techniques for self-motivation, techniques for goal setting. And gradually I was spending more time making presentations than I was going and seeing clients and selling things. And I got offered a position teaching the work of Tony Robbins and Stephen Covey, Brian Tracy, a lot of the American speakers, uh, for a big company in London who recruited me. And that was the beginning of my uh, training career, uh, 94, early 95. And I came up at that time with the idea of goal mapping. I was doing a lot of work with accelerated learning. A trainer here in England who's not so well known called uh, Colin Rose, who was one of the pioneers about how to activate the whole brain and Stephen Covey's work with mind mapping. Those things had a great influence on me. And one night, driving my car late at night, thinking about how many people had said to me in, in various presentations, I wish I'd learned this positive thinking, goal-setting stuff when I was in school. It would make a difference. And I was thinking, yeah, why, why didn't someone say to me in school? And I realized, actually, a lot of teachers don't understand the science of goal-setting and positive thinking because it is a science. Although it's a, a naturally occurring process, if you're going to do it intentionally, mm. uh, there's a formula to learn. There's a right way and a wrong way. And I've become quite obsessed by it. And then one night I had a, a vision come to my mind where I saw a goal map written in both words and pictures to help stimulate the whole of the brain. And I've been teaching it ever since. Uh, and I thought it would be something that would appeal in schools but actually, the area where it took off was in corporates. And uh, for five years, I taught it in big organizations like IBM and Microsoft, Siemens, etc. And then in 1999, 2000, I created the school version. That's now reached more than a million children around the world. Uh, from primary school, secondary school, university. And uh, there are all sorts of people that use the technique. Sports people, therapists. Because regardless of where you look in life, whether it's in the well-being sector or it's in a business sector, education setup, a goal achievement is really fundamental to us achieving success and learning how to set goals in a way that's going to register in your conscious mind and subconscious mind really is, is the key to effective goal setting. That's quite the story. It really is. And you're the evidence that it works. A lot of people who have been fortunate to go through formal education would have writing and speaking, or rather writing and spelling, et cetera, drilled into them. You know, that's what yeah. the educational system does. It's when we don't have these things, perhaps we appreciate them more. Um, the reason I think this resonates with me and, and, and ideally with people listening is that um, when we're working for ourselves, we're, we're faced with uh, sometimes the sad reality that we can't do everything we thought we could. And so we begin a business and we have these aspirations to corner the market or become a keynote speaker or a published author or a course creator. And so I'm curious about the science behind that. How do people stay positive when, let's say, they haven't had a good year or the the program they've designed hasn't done well? 
there, there's an element of, of this, particularly for people working for themselves as consultants who run their own business, in fact, are their own business. What, what is the, what are tips would you give to someone in terms of the science, as you said, the science of positive thinking? How do you program your mind for that success in spite of all the drawbacks and uh, hurdles that we face when working for ourselves? Most people experience casual positivity. So if something good happens in their day, if things turn out the way that they believe they should, uh, they feel happy. When you look more closely at what's going on in the brain, every emotion we have, positive or negative, doesn't just happen. Uh, every emotion is created by neurotransmitted chemicals that are released from the end of the brain cell arms, the dendrites. And what triggers the release of those chemicals is our thoughts, our beliefs, our consciousness. By learning how to choose your thoughts about the things that happen, you're able to minimize the negative and increase the positive. And it's simply about reframing what's happened. One of the challenges I've had over many years talking to a corporate audience that have been told to be there you know, uh, if I'm running an internal training program, Microsoft or someone, the audience has been told to be there, and not everyone will be enthusiastic or believing in what I'm saying. And one of the challenges that comes up is that positive thinking is just about walking through your life with rose-tinted spectacles, pretending it's all wonderful even when it's not. That isn't positive thinking. Uh, that is delusion. And it's a dangerous thing to do. And a lot of people get themselves deluded because they only want to see what they want to see rather than seeing the reality. Positive thinking is about clearly seeing the reality and then choosing a positive thought about it. When I have something that doesn't turn out the way I wanted or hoped it would turn out, the first question I ask is, what can be great about this? And it's a tough question to ask sometimes. I'll give you an example. My very first book was one I wrote for children. It's called Sam the Magic Genie. And it's about how you program your subconscious mind for success. But it's put into a story and a language that young children can understand. I wrote that book and published it uh, around about uh, 2001. And it was triggered by the attack on the World Trade Center because uh, when that attack happened, within a couple of weeks, all of my big contracts were cancelled. I had one with uh, MCI WorldCom, another with cable and wireless communications, a third one, I think it was British Telecom or someone, and they all, they all contacted me and said the same thing. We're really worried that this terrorist attack is going to trigger a global recession. And so we're just going to reduce all expenditure for a while. And the first thing people cut is training, especially if they consider it non-essential, like personal development training. And I went from a full diary to an empty diary almost overnight. And, uh, and I wanted to pull my hair out. And I had disciplined myself uh, to ask this key question, what can be great about this? And 
at first I had to ask the question through gritted teeth. You know, what can we grow? Because my brain was screaming, nothing. There's nothing great about this. But of course, asking the question focuses the mind. And very often, the opportunities that are created by change and sometimes difficult change, they're hidden. It's like the silvery lining in the cloud. And you only get to see that opportunity by asking good quality questions. And I saw, okay, well, I've got this draft of this little book that I've been planning for a couple of years, but I haven't done anything with it. And it took me just a couple of weeks and a couple of thousand pounds to finish it off, get it proofread and get it into print. It sold thousands and thousands and thousands of copies. I, I self-published the first version one of those landed on a desk of an editor at Penguin Random House. They said, let us publish it for you. It's now in a bunch of different languages, and it's helped more people in more ways than I could ever imagine. But it come from a disappointing situation. My online program now reaches thousands and thousands and thousands of people, but it was born out of a disappointment, which is that in, in the height of my public speaking career, flying around the world, speaking at conferences, I got ill with blood clots in my lungs and was grounded by the doctors and told I couldn't fly anymore. And it felt like the end of the world uh, when it happened and the end of my career. And again, it caused me to go back to asking quality questions. What's the opportunity here? What can be right in this? I think one of the mistakes that sometimes people make when they're goal setting is that they set a very big goal and uh, it's great to have a big goal if you've also got a plan and if you're allowing enough time. I, my big goal is to reach 7 million people. Now, I've been working on that more than 20 years to reach 7 million people with my books and my programs. And I have a lot of other trainers that teach my work now. There are more than 1,500 certified trainers and coaches and therapists around the world that also teach the technique. And that's been my core strategy in how to reach those 7 million. And I have people come to me and they say, oh, I've got this big goal I want to achieve. And people are telling me it's unrealistic. It's unrealistic if you're not given enough time and you haven't got a plan. If you're going to give the time, if you're prepared to make the effort, if you've got a really good plan where you're breaking it down into the actions you're going to take, then it's amazing just how much we can achieve as long as we're taking a structured approach towards it and, and we're programming our subconscious mind to help us make the journey and spot the opportunities. Because if we start to think negatively, without realising the negative thought influences the subconscious. If we think too much on the negative, it will actually, the subconscious will take us into some form of self-sabotage. Uh, but at the very minimum, what it does is it reduces our motivation and our progress forward because it's like we're holding two contradictory commands in our mind. One is we're picturing what we want and the other is we're holding self-doubt or fear of failure that we won't achieve it. And we start to cancel the two commands out because they're fighting against each other. That's why having a technique 
to help you hold on to positive thoughts of what you want to achieve. And when disappointment comes because you haven't made the progress you thought you would make, to obviously take stock, reevaluate, and and not just to continue blindly. Sometimes we need to ask the question, "Where I? So what can I do differently?" Is is the going tough because actually this is not the right way to do it, and there's a, a better route for me to take? Or maybe we want the wrong thing, and the thing we're committed to doing isn't something which is a natural strength or the thing that's best for us. Um, I've I've found that, and I've I've I, I wanted to be a pilot when I was younger, of all things, and I'm glad I haven't become a pilot. Uh, so, so there is a danger that sometimes we want things which aren't really right for us. It's it's December as we're recording, Brian. This is time or the time of year when many people will look back on the business year that was 2023 and start to think about the year ahead. It's a pivotal time. Sometimes we, we've had a good year or we've had a not so good year and we're trying to stay positive about the year ahead. What does the science tell us about, about um, let's say, over-optimism when we're, we're, not, we're not thinking negatively or positively, but we're perhaps um, over-enthusiastic about what we can do? And, and what, I, what I'm relating to here is, is something someone said to me years ago, which stuck in my mind is that most of us greatly um, overestimate what we can achieve in 12 months, but we greatly underestimate what we can achieve in five years. Yeah. So as we're on the cusp of a new year, what would you say to people thinking about their business year ahead, looking back on what's just happened in these 12 months and setting themselves up for a successful, healthy mindset, realistic mindset in 2024? I've worked with a lot of athletes over the years, and uh, my first training partner was a British Olympic swimming coach. And one of the things that has always stuck with me that I learned from him and other athletes is that generally within sports psychology, it's held that you can't improve your performance more than 20% in a year. And when you're setting goals, If you're aiming to improve more than 20%, then you really need to get a great coach or have some sort of powerful system that's going to help, like a self-hypnosis, because your conscious mind finds it difficult to accept that you're going to go more than that 20% of success. And people pay lip service to it. I use the goal mapping system for myself. And as part of that, I've got my maps out in front of me at the moment. And uh, I have more than one map. So I'll have a goal map just about my business. But I also have a goal map about my health, for instance. Or I have a joint goal map with my partner about relationship. And they're out in my folder from the moment I get up. Which I saw, actually. You showed it to me in in Birmingham. Early in the morning is the most important time to remind yourself of your goals. And the reason for this is that goal success relies on your goal being registered with your subconscious, which works like your autopilot, helping you to notice random opportunities and chance meetings 
to take a step towards the achievement of your goal. For the first hour when you wake, the connection to your subconscious mind is estimated to be as much as 100 times greater than at midday. Because when you first wake up, your brain is in a very specific rhythm. It's called alpha rhythm, 7.5 cycles per second. And it's a natural state of mind that you enter when you wake up. And again, you enter as you go to sleep. And it lasts for as long as an hour. But after an hour, after being awake, your brain speeds up into wide awake consciousness, what's known as beta rhythm. The brain's working much faster, 13 cycles per second. And it's when the conscious mind is fully awake, fully active. And the challenge there is that the quality and the job of the conscious mind is to analyze, criticize, and reject anything that is more than 20% bigger than what you've achieved in the past. And so if you've set a big goal and you're looking at it midday, your conscious mind tends to go, yeah, but not really. Yeah, that's a lovely, it's a lovely dream and I hope, but I'm not really going to do that. Even if you don't want to admit it to yourself, it's sort of a nagging doubt there in the back of the conscious mind. And so using techniques to trick past that, and I know people that will go for hypnosis, for instance, to be told, you're brilliant, you're on top of your game, you're achieving all these things. More and more people doing it for themselves now, of course, with things like mindfulness. Goal mapping works in exactly the same way, but it's not just creating the goal map. It's following through with the daily routine of evaluating those goals early in the morning. I won't switch on my email first thing. I don't want to go into that left brain detail until I make sure that I've reinforced the goal on my subconscious. And, of course, every time you think about your goal, tell yourself you're going to achieve your goal, what you're actually doing is you're reinforcing brain cell connections. When you first have an idea, oh, I'm going to do this, the brain cells join. That's what creates the idea. You get a little release of serotonin. It helps you to feel good. You feel motivated. But then the brain cells break apart again. And so it's really important that you remind yourself. You reestablish the brain cell connection. One of the key points in neuroscience and neuroplasticity is that brain cells that repeatedly fire together gradually wire together. You repeat the same thought over and over and over and over, the brain cell connection becomes established. And when the brain cell connection becomes established, what that actually forms is a belief. And because each brain cell connection is releasing chemicals, when you think a positive thought, it releases serotonin, gives you a happy feeling. Well, when you have a positive belief, it's releasing the chemicals that create a winning attitude because our attitudes are just the outward reflection of the inner feeling. And it's that combination of thought and feeling or belief and attitude that empower our action that lead us into the physical results. I don't achieve all the things that I would like to achieve, especially by the time I want to achieve them. But I've learned the importance of taking stock, 
looking at any wins, any learnings, any feedback, any things I need to change. And like you say, sometimes people make progress towards a goal and then realize, no, it's it's not actually what I want. You know, what I want is the lifestyle or the the quality of life that I thought that goal was going to give me. And I can see another way, a better way of achieving that. And so people do let go of a goal that they had and take up another one. And I think that's absolutely fine. I think it's part of the process of finding what it is that we really want. And a lot of people, of course, when they're goal setting, don't know uh, what they want. And they think they do know and head towards it. But as they move along the journey, they realize, actually, this is not what I want. And there's something beyond this. And so it's really a case of of reflection. I meet a lot of people this time of year who know that they should be setting goals for the new year, but have become discouraged because they haven't achieved them in the past. And, And they become a bit complacent towards it. Most often, I think the reason why people don't achieve their goals or New Year's resolutions is because they never set them correctly in the first place. They're either either trying the old-fashioned way of writing line after line after line of words, and that's only stimulating half of their brain, their left brain, and they don't write the words in affirmation, which is a key point for influence in the subconscious. Or maybe they're using a dream board or a vision board, and they've got a lot of nice pictures, but they've got no detail, no plan because it's most often missing from a vision board. And again, vision boards tend to just activate half the brain, this time the right brain. And we need whole brain activation. Right brain is more creative mind, left brain more strategic mind. If we're going to be successful, particularly in something like consultancy training, we need to be both creative as well as structured in how we move forwards. And so whole brain, Success in modern life is very much a whole brain game. You talked about mind, uh, rather goal mapping. I know you said mind mapping, which is something else, but goal mapping, a structure which helps people to achieve their goals. And you talk about climbing the lift ladder and your book also contains some examples of, of mapping and the images in the book. And I actually saw yours when you showed it to me when we met what are some practical tips for people who have not yet got your book? And I hope they will. It's a very practical, easy read. What would you say to people who are just listening to us, cannot see us, and haven't seen your book? What would be some ways to help them to set themselves up for success as they listen to this before the beginning of next year? Some practical ways to yeah. engage in creating that uh, autopilot for success. Well, the essence is that combination of words and pictures, but that's only really the starting place. There are seven steps in the goal mapping system. Step one, dream. Use your right brain imagination. Look forwards and imagine what you want to achieve next year or beyond. And there may be many things. And so the second step is to switch brain function and think strategically with your left brain and ask the question, which one thing from my dream list, my wish list, which one thing once achieved will most help me to achieve the others? You may want all of the things, but there will be one thing strategically, logically that is key to achieve. 
And that goes in the middle of your goal map. And then step three is to start to structure it out in words and pictures. And then step four, why? What are your most powerful emotional reasons? <laughs> and uh, they want to be emotional reasons because we're motivated by emotion. So you've got to have a really strong, clear reason for why you want to achieve the goal. And then, of course, when, because without a date, it's not a goal. It's just a wish or an intention. And once you put a start date and a target date for the achievement of the goal, it gives you a timeline and you can hang on that timeline the next step, which is how. What are the things I need to do? And I recommend people chunk down and think 90 days ahead and get into detail what they need to do each month, each week, sometimes right down to a daily basis to be moving towards their goal. And the final step, step seven, is who? Who's going to be involved? Is it just me? Uh, are there key individuals, supporters, co-workers, maybe uh, depending on the type of the goal, family members? And uh, we have been supplying free downloads and even free software for people to do their goal maps since 1995. So you don't have to just remember the instruction here. People can download for absolutely free or access the software where they're guided through with simple instruction to create the map. And it is a simple process. It's so simple that we've had more than a million children create maps for their future. And yet it's powerful enough that Microsoft have shared it with a huge number of people and have their own trainers certified in it, as do British Telecom and Siemens and, and some other large organisations. So it's one of those unusual techniques that's quite universal in the range of people that use it. It's not just business people and trainers. We've got teachers and therapists also using it. Absolutely fascinating. And it's a great read. Goal Mapping by Brian Main. Brian, where can people connect with you, find out more about you? Where would you like them to go after listening to this interview? Goalmapping.com. That's where that. the free downloads are and the free software is there and uh, yeah. people can access information for their children if they want to share it with them or to use for themselves uh, with your audience if they're in training i always love helping trainers we run a lot of free webinars as well and again people will find all of the information there brian thank you so much for being my guest today on the show been a real pleasure mark thank you you're an absolute gentleman My sincere thanks to Brian for being my guest this week on the show. And I would encourage you to click on follow or subscribe to be notified of great episodes as they appear. There is a fresh episode every Thursday on your podcast platform of choice, whether it's Apple or Spotify or something else. So until next week, I look forward to your company then. Take care. Bye-bye. once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. See you next time.